Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 98 of the Everton Motor Racing Podcast. I hope you've had a good week as always. We've had a fun weekend in Le Mans. Mm. Yep, I can now say it right for those OG podcast listeners. I can now, I don't say Le Mans or Le Mans anymore. Le Mans. Le Mans. Yeah, I can say it. Le Mans, yep. Um, <laughs> I hope you had a good week, a good weekend. You've enjoyed the MotoGP as always. <clears throat> we actually had some good racing this weekend. Yeah, it was good actually. Mm-hmm once um <laughs> but firstly i need some riders for the number 98 please don't look at me um 98 i got three so i don't even know i'm not gonna make an attempt because i genuinely don't know there's one that's raced this year in motor two <clears throat> uh what? yeah you say raced like past tense, like it was a wild card or a standard or, or a replacement ride. Replacement. Yes, um, it's not Santa Ages. No, uh, I don't know Moto like Two well enough. Another really. one. He raced there last year as well and used the same number. Bloody hell! <laughs> These Bloody hell! Clues mean yeah. Right, one. I'll give you one. Uh, Ex Red Bull Rookies Champion. <laughs> right no. Carol Haneker okay yeah last year in Moto3 uh, Jose Antonio Rueda used oh. 98 oh. right okay could have told you that probably yeah yeah and the Moto2 rider to use it last year is David Sanchez oh. oh well I don't have any others and I'm a bit scared because I guarantee you there's a big one somewhere and no idea. Ninety-eight feels like a. It feels like it should be a popular number, but maybe it's not. I don't. Yeah, because it's one off ninety-nine. I think if you're going to go ninety-eight, you're going to go ninety-nine instead, just because it's like true. But then ninety-nine is more round like number taken by. It's ninety-nine is very popular. Yeah, yeah you got like Tatai, Jorge Lorenzo, Stop yeah. giving. Raider, stop. So. Stop. <clears throat> oh, These are all my picks for next week. Very easy ones. <laughs> stop very right easy there. Ones. <laughs> So, don't give them all yeah. away <laughs> no I'll try not to um, but yeah I guess we'll start with MotoGP as always mm. it was a good race what a good race it was um, yeah for once and the penalties didn't ruin the race for once Alex Marcus got penalty for his audacious 10-4 move or whatever it was that pushed three riders wide audacious but that was about it what was his penalty was- like Three players because he pushed Brad Binder and two other people. Mm. Yeah, three, three a grid. Oh my god, a three place grid penalty for Mugello. Next, no, next Grand Prix that he competes in. Declan. Next Grand Prix, ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. Semantics are everything. And Buzzetti got had to drop a place, yeah. which I didn't. Dis- I disagreed with. I think he should have got a long lap for that. No, no. Yeah, no, well, it he didn't make any into... contact though, did he? He just he, sort of well, pushed it wide. He kind of dive bombed him. And he could have easily made contact, wide, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. I was waiting for him to take his helmet off and it'd be Valentino Rossi underneath. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I was like, of course, a VR forty six rider punts markers off of course. <laughs> There's uh, a no, love child of Valentino Rossi and Zimicelli, like. I think compared to Peko being asked to drop the place last week in Jerez. 
for making him more justified. It makes sense. Like that's kind of consistent from the stewards. Yeah. So that yeah, sort of made sense. But the problem was, is but, that he gave the place back to Jorge Martin, not to Mark Marquez. Yeah, so Mark's Mark, still lost out. Yeah, because Mark, I will be honest, like for me, I think Bezzecchi's move was pretty outrageous, to be honest. He just straight up dive bombed, which it's on Mark Marquez. It's kind of Mark Marquez is just getting a taste of his own yeah. medicine there. Um, yeah, I but I was bit. a bit like, whoa, like that's a bit over the line, you know? Yeah. <sighs> but he got penalised for it, I guess. So It's so weird. It's like, because it's such a... No two incidents are, are the same, really. You can have similarities. No, they're but... always unique, aren't they? Yeah. In yeah. And this 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 is where it, the, the trouble comes in, doesn't it? You're trying to find consistency, but there's no consistency in the um infringements, in shall we yeah. say. Um so what do you do? I say we just uh we go back to the old the old days of Robin's racing and all that stuff. But I prefer Robin's racing to yeah. others and like Unless there is obviously a line. Yeah, unless you're being an actual prick and teasing <laughs> people off of the track, then fine. Yeah. But I mean, that's a bit of race. And sure, it was audacious. And it, both riders lost out, really. Sure, like Bez gained a place, but they lost. It was then forced to drop a place. Yeah. They, and, they, then... yeah and they lost time on their lap, really. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, because Bez went wide as well. It wasn't yeah. like they, one of them went wide and the other one didn't. Yeah, he didn't take a shortcut or anything. Um, no. So, I don't know. Because yeah, who got penalised for taking a shortcut? Was it Binder? Yeah, yeah Binder got penalised yeah. for taking a shortcut, yeah. 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 Which again, yeah, it's in the rules, you know, you can't give her by a full second. So you got to, you know if how you much... go wide, it's in that sector, it's a second. Do it? you know he gave up 0.9 seconds? That's what oh I was going to ask. How were we supposed Surely they could have been like, ah, I mean, he pretty much gave he up. He tries. Yeah. Yeah, he probably, yeah. But then it's the rules, the rules are in it. I know, but he made an attempt. Like, and then, yeah, which but, is yeah, mad. Are they supposed to like have a little stopwatch on their bike now as well to be like, okay, I've been off track for a second mm. now? Come on, if, if you got the adrenaline running in a race, if you do actually have the wherewithal to count a second in your head, it's probably going to be quite well, a fast. Yeah, it's going to be a fast <laughs> second, isn't it? Um, so yeah. I think he did really well to actually get that he close did. to a second. Mm-hmm. I think there should be a discrepancy of maybe like 0.1 of a second, like yeah, a bit of, bit of allowance there. Yeah, because Fabio Digia lost his lost a race win at the track, didn't he? Years ago, he met a three. It was his first win, mm. and he he cut that by like under a second. And um, they didn't tell him until he got back into part of Fermi after spending the entire cooldown lap celebrating his first ever no, victory. Oh, that's God. heartbreaking. I don't even remember. Yeah. He, I remember him crying his eyes out. I was like, I, I would. That's <laughs> tough. That is tough. Bloody hell. Oh. Yes, but mm. it was a good race. We've got a boxing match in the middle of the race, which was quite enjoyable to Someone's yeah, been watching BSB. Oh, yeah. BSB, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, mimicking, what is it, Alex Olsen and Alistair Seeley there. Yeah. With uh, Pecco and Vinales with a little boxing match, oh, which was so funny that they then had to share the same scooter on the way back. That's probably Someone's a made a decision there because they, one of them could have sat back and waited for another scooter to come around. Oh, yeah, 100%. Mm. They both were just like, you know what? It's just. I think they'd sort of made up by that point, though. I don't think they actually were angry at each other. Maybe cool in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think both of them are those type of people, but when you're in the moment and Pecco is like desperate to try and actually get a result here, you know, he's had now four DNFs, well, three DNFs. He did come out and finish 16th, I think, in Argentina, but he's crashed out of three races now 
three, three main, main races, races yeah and that's major because those, that's where the points are scored. Yes, you've got the sprint races, of course. And his sprint races are actually carrying him now because yeah. he still leads the championship by one point over Bezzecchi thanks to his sprint racer performances. Yep. How he's still leading that championship with three DNFs in the main race is beyond me. It just shows <laughs> everyone else's inconsistency is mad. Yeah, like it's, it's just, yeah. everyone's as inconsistent as each other, but it's just that Peckle, when he's. You know, everybody has their good days, and it just seems to be that when Peko is, at, he seems to be the fastest on the good days. He's the one that yeah. wins the races on the good has, days. Has he but, been on all the sprint race podiums? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I'll find out now. Because uh, it feels like he's always on the podium in the sprint races. Mm. He is on the podium a lot. Well, obviously, which must Peko, be well, it is the thing carrying him. But have a look. I'll get the results now. Um, so we got. First in Portimao, he got sixth Argentina, then first, second, third. So right. the, the yeah. only one was Argentina, oh. he finished sixth. Oh. Right. Oh, nearly. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's just a really inconsistent, wild season, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is what it's, it's, kind of we want, but then we were talking last week because... about how that stops rivalries being bred. But Yeah. Well, like, we were talking last week about them, um, like, it's kind of good. Like, I hate the fact that Pekka got rushed into. It's not fair. No. You know, he was in for a good result. We don't want to see riders getting smashed but into. But it also was Full sort stop. of his fault, too. I think I they're both yeah, equally to blame. Yeah. Pekka could have given more room. Vinales could have also just, like... Not but done Vinales, that. that freaking pace Vinales had. I, I real well thought he was going to win the race. I yep. was like, he's going to win it. No, but the issue was is that that was probably his best start of the season and he was so aggressive. I think he was crashing no matter what happened. Like, if that hadn't happened with Peko, I think he was crashing because I've he never like, seen I'm him. finally here. I've he never seen him start like that. Block. Yeah. 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 That's it. And But like I said, like, I don't like to see riders crashing, but it's closed up at the top now. Like, yeah. Francesco Benaya leads, obviously, with 94, then one point behind is Marco Bezzecchi, then 13 points behind Bagnaia's Brad Binder. Which is and exciting. And then one point behind, you're very excited. <laughs> and then one point, one point behind Binder is Jorge Martin. Ooh. Of course. really, the, the top four are split by 14 points, but which is lovely. Martin's only up there after this weekend because he had a good points haul. So that's pretty no. much. No? Because he's had, well, he had a podium in the sprint race at Portimao. Yeah. Then he retired at the main race. He retired at the main race in America, but got a podium in America. He got a fifth and an eighth, the eighth being the sprint race in Argentina. But then he's been all right. He got two fourth places in Jerez. Mm. And then this weekend, obviously, a sprint race win and a second. So actually, like we said, they're consistently, he's crashed a lot, as we know. Yeah. We say it's a lot. But his consistency of getting those top five results or those podiums in the sprint races again. I didn't realize he was so. Yeah, I didn't realize he was so consistent in Jerez because that makes a lot more sense. Now, I thought it was the big points all from this weekend that Mm. put him up there. It was Jerez that's pulled him up. And then obviously the odd sprint race podium. It's kind of, again, they kind of go under the radar a little bit, but they're really helping out. Well, I think that's going to make, well, I hope that it makes the difference this year and that it's a lot closer. Rather than someone well, running away with Binder's it. Binder's there, really. Yeah. Like, Binder's... I don't want to disrespect Brad Binder. I love him. I think he's absolutely outstanding. But he's realistically only really there because he's won two sprint races, got a second in, obviously, the French one, got a second in Jerez as well. But then he's finished 17th, 13th. 
you know, he scored way out the point. He didn't even score in the uh, Portimao sprint race. But it's just those sprint race podiums and things that, again, have pulled him to third place in the championship. Yeah. It's like we've said, those inconsistencies of all the riders have helped, which is probably why in the last few years, like 2019 and earlier, why Mark Marquez could run away with it. Mm. Now, when you take Mark Marquez's dominant streak out of it, you see that everybody's just so inconsistent. All you need, like Yoan Mir in 2020, is one consistent rider hmm? and they'll take the championship. Well, that's how Fabio won it in 2021 as well. And it was yep. Peko's yeah. Peko's mistake as well that he was able to capitalize yeah. on. Like you need to be the person picking up the points when someone else is screwing up. So. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And um, it's it's good. It's good. Mm. I'm liking it. Yeah. We've got four, four. Maybe if you add if you add Johan Zarkin to it as well, who's thirty, maths will tell me twenty eight points back. He's still winning the shot. Twenty eight points back from um, Peko from Bagnaya. Oh, from Bagnaya. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean yeah. that that's that's a, a victory and a crash again. Well, like, to be fair, know. Bears was twenty two points back at the start of this weekend, so it just yep. goes yeah. to show that anything can happen. Was he twenty two points? Yeah, yeah. Was he? Yeah. I'm just saying the math isn't working out in my head. Well, they they did the sprint race. Oh wait, sprint races. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's I'm why good. I got yeah. confused. I was like, surely Bears will be ahead. I was like, what? Mm. Peko had a better. Points, sp- yeah, Peko had a better sprint race than Bears did. Yeah, but. that makes sense. There you go. Yeah, 22 points back to one. Mm-hmm. It just shows, like, like we said, I think on the last podcast, we're like, Peko can run away with it now. Peko's got, and then bang, straight away. This nope. isn't the mistake that I thought Peko would make this weekend, but it I, still no. throws a massive <laughs> spanner in the works. Yeah, and but we go to Mugello next time, which is where he's oh, very he'll, strong. He'll but you got Bazzetti there Not now. Bez. Mm-hmm. He's a D- Ducati VL46 rider. I think Luca Marini could be good at Mugello as well. I think all three of them will yeah. do, like Marini included, will do very well. Yeah. Yep. An Italian on a Ducati is going to win. It's that that that's straight broad. Is, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like that straight at Mugello cute. just is Ducati's. It's great for Ducati. Piro is always testing there as well. Yeah. They've got so much data there. It's it's pretty much said and done now. Yeah, <laughs> already. You just but, um, for our predictions, you just pick those guys one, two, and three. In I'm going to go all order. Italian. To be fair, although mm. Moto three, I'm not sure. We're not doing predictions for a while though. So no. still got a few weeks to think. But I'm going it. all yeah. Italian. So just so you know. Oh yeah, yeah. like Mino on the box. I'd, oh, I wouldn't be afraid Mino. to put Mino on the box in Moto three yeah. and be jealous. <laughs> Yeah, we get way ahead of us. I know it's three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so bringing it back, um, how nice does it see Jack Miller leading the race on the KTM? Mm-hmm. That was great. Like, he said, he said that this year is like last year, but on steroids. <laughs> and I'm like, I can agree with that. To be honest, you know like he, his year, he probably gets treated so much better there. Yeah, like he gets treated reckon, as, a, as an equal. I think is a yeah, massive the, thing. He can. Ducati, uh, from what the outside inwards, like very much like pride and, you know, sophistication and all that. KTM, like it's why it suits Brad Binder, is you can kind of be yourself a bit more. And I think that really does suit Jack Miller. And you can just see him. Like Jack Miller was Jack Miller at KTM anyway, and his personality was always able to shine through. But I think KTM's values and the way they carry themselves in the team line up very well with Jack Miller. And I think he's genuinely happier at KTM. Yeah. Yeah. Which is maybe allowing him to why he's able to adjust so well. Because as we would say, like a, a happy rider is a fast rider. That's always the case. And 
he's just doing so well at the moment and um, I think that win is on the cards this year it's a big shame he did crash out of the main race and I don't know why he was dropping positions but yeah yeah he looks really good I think when we get to Austria KTM's track yeah um, could be there I don't know or sooner mm. when are we in Austria actually are we in Austria this year yeah yeah, yeah, we're oh, not until like August. Yeah, where is it? I've got it. Be here, after Silverstone. Yeah, mm. uh, it is on the. That's not it. Oh, what are you doing? It's like the Sorry. third uh, 18th, week of August. Yeah, eighteenth of yeah. August. Um, twentieth of August. There you go. Yeah, it's the race day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah but, there maybe. Yeah, that could and, be an um, okay TM podium at Austria as well. Yeah. Fernandez, well, and the way the forecast Fernandez is going, wow! Like, thing is, I expected Augusto Fernandez to do all right. He got 13th in his first race, and I was like, you know, respectable. In the every, he has scored points in every feature race so far this year. He got 13th, 11th, 10th, 13th, fourth place. Elamon, fourth place. I guarantee you, Paul Spargo sat there like. I want to be riding so bad. Did you not hear he was FaceTiming um, Hervé Pontrol during the race? Being oh, like, no I way. can't wait to be back. Oh my oh God. Oh my God. He's itching for it. You yeah. can, I'm absolutely sure he sat there like, I just want to be riding. Yeah. And Hervé said as well that obviously Paul was coming into this season to be the team leader. But then obviously, because he's been out since the first race of the season, they sort of approached Augusto and was like, well, you know, you're sort of going to have to be the team leader. And he went, yeah, no problem. I can do that. The fact that he, yeah, he's taken that up and just gone. Yeah. Like as a rookie, like how, how the hell? And I think people maybe have let him slip under the radar because he is further back. But when you actually look he at the fact that he's, gas gas. that he's yeah. finished all the main races in the points, like that is so impressive. Well, there's only two other riders. Sorry, Cameron's got you off there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's finished every race in the points, and that is Franco Morbidelli and <laughs> Fabio Cotteraro. That's it. What? Those are the only only other riders that have finished in the every main race. That is every main that race. That still doesn't points. comprehend. You're kidding? No, because no, Brad Binder's as a seventeenth. You know. And that's it. Those are the only riders. Like, we're taking out, like, you know, Danilo Petrucci and stuff. They're not the two riders I thought you were just about to mention. Both the Yamaha riders are the only ones that finish the main races in the points. Every single time. There's only three riders. (laughs) What the hell? That has blown my mind. I can't believe that. Crazy, isn't it? Uh, oh my god! I <laughs> Actually, know. stumped. Yeah, that's left me speechless. <laughs> but then, getting back to the Fernandez point, he's he's, <laughs> um, he's comfortably outperforming Ralph Fernandez, yeah. who mm-hmm. annihilated him when they were in Moto Two. Yeah, but it just goes to show that it's you know it's not necessarily the best stepping stone Moto2. It's not the best barometer. If you're the best at Moto2, you might not necessarily work in MotoGP. And similarly, I think it's like Bez as well. He was a solid Moto2 rider. Mm, but then he's a very good MotoGP rider. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. And it, it almost seems to be that, you know, with the exception of, of some notable names, um, it does seem to be that if you if you win Moto2, you're, 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 it's almost like it works against you because you're so well yeah, suited. Like Gardner yeah, and... You're so well suited to a Moto2 machine that actually you've maybe, you maybe can't make it work on a GP machine unless you're an exceptional talent. 
yeah. like your Marquezes cool. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's a weird one. Yeah, of course. And then similarly with cool. Moto3 up to Moto2 and, and so on, you might have a, a phenomenal Moto2 rider who just can't make it work on a Moto3 bike and so we'll never get the chance at Moto2. It's Yeah. Yeah, the other way around. But yeah, yeah no, you said like, that well, wrong. But <laughs> well, like no, no, Ethan like, Guevara and no, yeah, look yeah. at Ethan Guevara. <laughs> he's way like no. This is this is that's what I meant. Someone who is who would be a phen- maybe I should have added the word would be would be a phenomenal Moto Two rider. Yeah, but because like, they can't make it work in Moto Three, there you go. They're, like, like, they're never yeah, going to yeah, make yeah. a shot at the Moto Two ride because yeah, that makes, yeah. that makes sense. sense. Apologies. I guess that's why. <laughs> I guess that's why the European Championship is so good because you see riders like Alonso Lopez, who is exactly as you just said, one. I think one Moto Three podium. Mm. Then as soon as he hops on a Moto Two bike, he's now third in the championship. Fabio Quartararo is a prime example. Fabio Quartararo. Well, Fabio Quartararo won back to back Moto Three Championships as a rookie, yeah, though. So, well, and as a mm. literal child, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was thirteen. He was thirteen and fourteen when he won those titles. Yeah, and then did nothing well, the in, in Moto three and Moto two. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's weird. But I can give you one more fact that might blow your head a little bit. Yes, please. Augusto Fernandez has been the highest placed KTM twice this year as well. I noticed that good. actually when I was looking at the results earlier, and I hadn't clocked it, onto it yet until yeah, he did a Cota as well. Whoa! Yeah. So very impressive, to be honest. Um, yeah, like this though throws a spanner in the works for KTM because even if they had a hint of maybe replacing Augusto Fernandez with Pedro Costa, which Pedro Costa even said on to Dorna that maybe I won't be in orange next year, but I might be in red. If there's a hint of that, I think that's been demolished now. Like I think Augusto Fernandez, who has a plus one on his contract, mm-hmm. oh, fully he's, now he's earned that. Is, has earned his seat. And if KTM get rid of him, then... It'll be a farce. Yeah. But there is still whispers of maybe Husvana stepping in, taking those last grid slots. KTM are probably the only manufacturer that can afford to take those glass grid slots and run an entire third manufacturer on their RC16s. I'd be happy to see always that. six KTMs on there. I think Yamaha mm. are the ones that need to pull their fingers out, but I mean, I wouldn't be mad at more KTMs. Although, I, yeah, no, no. I'm... I'm I'm very on the, I think that every factory bike should have a satellite bike and I don't yeah, yeah. like loads of teams getting, like I don't like eight no. Ducatis on the grid so seeing six KTMs would sort of not really counteract the issue because it's sort of just no. adding to the problem but it could be good and it would mean seats for notable names who Pretty shouldn't, riders, yeah, you know, who shouldn't Pedro be Costa leaving. And maybe, so. Well, yeah, because Arbolino's been linked with Grassini as we've said. Yeah. Um, but you never know because he's got a Red Bull link there, so KTM can often often play against that. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. Italians like to see Italians on their bikes, though. So that's very true. It's an Italian team with the Grassini as well. So yeah, if they're going to get rid of Digio, they're not going to replace him with another Spaniard to have no. two Spaniards. No, I don't think. Anyway, it's obviously always possible. But like with the Factory Ducati team, there's always an Italian on that bike yeah. this year there's two but if you look back in history I think there's been an exception of two years when it was Stoner and Hayden uh, I think yeah. that was the case was Stoner yeah. and Hayden ever teammates mm-hmm. I can't remember if um, yeah they, I think they were hold on I think it was Stoner and Hayden but apart from that there's always been a Ducati on their bike uh, Ducati on their bike 
Kit Kat. No, an Italian other way. Yeah, 2009, <laughs> 2010 had Stoner and Hayden. Mm. But then after that, there was Rossi, then it was Dovey, then it was obviously... Uh, we had Dovey for Peco. the ages, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Peco's been there. Obviously, they've had like, Bar, um, what's his name, Petrucci in there a few times. And then even before... You know, that, don't, do, had... don't do Petrucci dirty like that. What's his Sorry. name? What's his name? Sorry, I'm just shitting names. But then, <laughs> then before that, you had Marco Melangi, Loris Caparossi was on it for years yeah. before that. So there's only two years in Ducati's most Jeep history where there hasn't been two Italians on it. Fair they enough. like Italians on their bikes. Um, it helps that Italians are typically very fast as Good, well. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does very much help. Mm. Um, so I could see that, but it does throw a spanner in the bus. But Pedro is... I don't. I can't find the source for it, um, so I've just heard whispers of it. So I, I, I'm going to try and find it quickly. But basically, the, the talk is that Pedro has said that he's quite happy to stay in Moto Two next year. Mm. I just don't know about is, that. But then he's Pedro Costa, so I don't see him getting stuck in the vicious cycle of Moto Two. But it does worry me for staying too long. Like Aaron Cannot, maybe. Yeah. I feel like if he wins the championship this year, what is if. the well if, yep. But why would <laughs> you, you stay another year? And but he's not gonna beat Sarko's record, so Yeah, he wouldn't no. unless he, wouldn't he stays for three. four years. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you're just like, What's what's the point? Yeah. The only thing I can think of is Mark Marquez also opted to stay motor two a second year even though he was very much in line to win the championship in 2011 before his eye messed up. So Mark has even offered to, opted to retain a motor to another year. And I, the thing I can think of for Pedro Costa is, right now we're out of sync with all the contracts on the grid. Yeah. Next year, he will be in sync with everything. Yeah. 2024 is when all the, all the, the deals, names. including, yeah. apart from Brad Binder, but including Mark Marquez, all the contracts are up. And that puts him in a lot better place. It's why Zarco stayed down the motor two for another year as well. It puts you in a great place because then suddenly, instead of all the manufacturers being like, sorry, we've got on two riders for next year, it's every manufacturer will then be open to a discussion. And that's why I think he could stay another year. He's 18 years old. He'll be 19 in, I think, a few days, maybe 10 days, is it? I think his birthday is 25th of May. Um, but he's 18 years old at the time of speaking. He's got time, yeah. Ten days from now, he'll be. Um, That's wild. Do you know 19. exactly when his birthday is. Yeah, it's because we. It's because I think two podcasts or podcasts ago, <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> um, yeah, excuses. But, no. but um, <laughs> it was David Munoz's birthday today as well? Um, but what age is he? Twelve. <laughs> today, David Munoz. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it puts Pedro has time on his side and can maybe go up to MotoGP as a three-time world champion, which looks even better because he can then ask for even more money from manufacturers and even more and go, I am a three-time world champion. But then now. he will put down the door of Honda and be like, mm. one of you guys got to money. go. <laughs> yeah. well, Marquez, you're out. Is 25 million on the table there. Come I have on, a 20-year-old dream right now. I'm you yeah, 10 years ago. Well, the thing is, if Pedro wins three titles, it'd be as Better a twenty-year-old, yeah. it'll be more successful than Mark Marquez. At that age. But then he's got to win the MotoGP championship in his first year, though, as a rookie. Mm. But and then he will also be older than Marquez was when Marquez won that championship. So there is that to think about. Would he be? 
Yeah, because he'd end the year at 21 years old if he stayed in Moto2. So he'd end 2025 if he won it in his rookie year. As 21? As 21, whereas Marcus won it at 20. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Because Marcus Marquez did the Valencia test at 19. That's wild. It's disgusting to think about that 19 year old. Well, Lequona did his MotoGP debut at 19. Yeah. Fabio was quite young as well. Yeah, I think he was. He's like 19 uh, or 20, right? 20, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's 24 now. So, yeah, about 20, 19, I think, probably the first test yeah, as well. Must have been. I don't think it's we'll ever unreal. see another rookie champion, though. No. In MotoGP. Well, yeah, because it was Kenny Roberts last, and then it took f- nearly 50 years yeah. for another one. I mean, the pedigree, I think, I don't know, like it's the so amount of talented riders that we're seeing. I think is bigger than what we used to see. The talent pool is bigger. The manufacturers are more equal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The grid is much more inconsistent. But then again, all you need is a fast rookie who's very consistent. I think the grid is the most stacked it's ever been. Ever. Yeah. Been. Oh, yeah. Both in terms of machinery and yeah. riders. Yeah. Well, again, I read a quote on Twitter earlier from Peko. I don't know what the source is. Again, so take it with a pinch of salt. But he said that satellite bikes need to go back to having a 0.7 deficit. (laughs) 0.710 deficit, which is ironic given that uh, who is in second place right now? Oh, yeah, satellite bike. Do you know why? It's because the whole podium was satellite bikes as well. It was a top four, four, five. I I don't know if um, Augusto Fernandez counts... Augusta doesn't count as a factory, does he? No, that's a satellite. Oh, yeah, Lace's factory. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, top four. Sorry. Yeah, you're all right. So, I thought it was top five for some reason. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> top four are all satellites. No wonder he's saying that. He's getting scared of bears. That's it. Pressure again. Peko, Peko just likes to think everything else is the problem, but he's yeah. okay. I think he <sighs> honestly needs to be in a deficit before he gets his act together. Is that really harsh mm. to say? No, because last year he thrives on it, doesn't he? But this year he's, and the he's year prior really he thrived on it. choked being at the top of the championship so early on. It's mm-hmm. like all the eyes are on him and he just yeah. can't handle it. Another That's thing I've just realised is that in this championship so far, there's been 185 points on offer. Yeah. And yeah. our leader has pretty much half of that. Nuts, That's <laughs> They're so inconsistent. Wild. Everyone yeah. is so yeah. inconsistent. Yeah, My which is God. why I think everyone's really in it. Like, yeah. even if if, if Bazet, no, Bazzetti, if Bastianini can come back at Mugello and be strong, I'd put my money on him with a chance. If Marquez can stop crashing out of podium positions, he's got a shot. Yeah, it's a wild shot for the pair of them, and it's way off. Miguel Oliveira still has a shot as well, but again, they need to crack out the results and be consistent. And anybody, it's still anybody's at this point. There are still so many points on offer. What is there? There's now 15 races left. So that's what? 555 mm-hmm. points on offer? I'm going to say that's, 14. That's just main races. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I include sprint there. Oh, does it? Yeah, 37 times 15 is 555. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, as well, in the MotoGP, I felt very sorry for Luca Marini, who pulled off probably the save of... His lifetime. Like his whole hand was on the deck. His arm was on the deck and he got it up just to hack it. And I think by Alex he looked like he was about to get high sided in my opinion. I don't know if he'd saved Maybe. it. I think mm, I'd need yeah. a little bit more than what he did to 
know whether or not he'd <laughs> actually saved that because I think he said it was his best save well yeah but he also got sniped out as he was trying to do it so I don't actually know if he did save it but if I, I mean if he he'd managed did. it it was pretty impressive I think he actually managed to get up and get his other hand back on the bar and start moving forwards but that's what I remember anyway but I could be wrong um, I'm happy to be wrong um but it was a scary crash as well. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say that it was very much shades of Simoncelli's accident, which, to be fair, you can see. Mm. But I'm I'm very glad that neither of them got hit whilst they were laying on the ground because, wowzers, it kind of raises the question of, yeah, these saves are great, but is it maybe better to just crash out and... Let it wash. Not yeah. because the amount of riders we've seen nearly get hit. Simoncelli's crash was because he was saving it. I don't want to obviously make those comparisons because Jesus Christ, like... Yeah. It's, it's a pretty tough comparison to make, of course. I don't um, know. I think in this case, it ended in this case, the he was best all right. possible scenario. And unfortunately, yes, mm. both riders crashed out. But I think that Alex Marquez sort of hit, hitting him the way that he did, did sort of take it off the centre line. off the track. Yeah. Push him away from it. I mean, yeah. I know one of the bikes still ended up on the track, but it was right at the edge of the track. It could have been the best. Yeah, because he could have swerved back onto the track. Exactly. You never know. So, and Marquez It's probably of, the best thing for yeah, him. Yeah, Marquez was sort of coming towards the edge of the track too, and obviously he wasn't injured or anything, which meant that he was able to get up super quickly. He, The first thing yeah. he did was go and run to look at Marini yeah. as well. And I think that was probably the best possible outcome like if both of them were to crash, it ended in the best possible way that it, it oh, could yeah, have. Fully agree. Obviously it would be much better if they no both crashed. stayed <laughs> yeah. on, but yeah, yeah I mm. think that was the best outcome. Mm, it just shows racing is dangerous, I guess, yeah. isn't it? That's it. It was it was a hair away from being really Yeah, like a really scary crash. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um speaking of crashes, we had another double DNF for Reptile Honda. Marquez Fair play to him, to be honest. Hell of a Absolutely outstanding yeah. all weekend long. Somebody even reached out to me and said, I'm a Rossi fan, but Marquez is the GOAT. I was like, <laughs> wow, okay. Um, it's got to be hard to argue with that, surely. To I be feel honest. Coming back after how many weeks off? Seven and then weeks just off? being pretty much, you know, he, he, I don't know if he had second in the bag, but he was running podium pace. Oh, a podium, yeah, podium pace, in yeah. the bag. Yeah. Easy. Um, podium was there. And just because that Repsol Honda isn't quite there, that's he couldn't quite push the way Marquez would, you know, mm. just that extra little bit. And so, you know, it washed out. But yeah, but he even said he was like, he said to the zone, see, I can source this one. Because mm -hmm. um, everyone's been talking rather, about that. Yeah, sort of true as well. Uh, <laughs> but he said he'd rather crash from a podium position than five for 10th or ninth place. Because yes, Marquez could have finished every race this year, ninth, eighth, seventh. 10th he doesn't want to do that nope. the guy is born to win that's all he gives a shit about like he wakes up in the morning and goes I want to win that's all he cares about and so for him I think he'll gain a lot more like yeah, more satisfaction that he crashed out of second than yeah. crashing or finishing in 10th I think Marquez would have retired by now if every time that he comes back he's on the pace if he came back after this and wasn't on the pace I think he'd be gone. Mm. Mm -hmm. He's it, because it feeds him. It feed, he knows in his head. He's like, I've still got it, and he, yeah. it'll miss seven weeks. 
I've still got it. It'll miss That's, five yeah. months. I've still got it. It'll miss a season and a half. I've still got yeah, it. Yeah, like he missed the entire, like pretty much the entirety of 2020 and then just gets back on it. Boom. Straight back up there again. Like he yeah. knows he's got it in him to do it. And I respect that. I think the most about him is that he actually said that quote and said, I'd rather push as hard as I can and fight for the podium positions than mm. to be circling around in 10th place, not really giving my full potential. I, like, I really respect that he was so honest about that. And I always say, like, honesty from riders, I think, just makes them so much more likable. Yeah, I fully agree, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's... I saw, actually, a post on the MotoGP Reddit. Um, it was like a... It got a lot of blooming likes. I was like, wow, you don't really see that. Um, I'll read it, because I kind of agreed with it. I was like, yeah, that's really nice, actually. Um, I think it was a top post in the last 24 hours. <gasps> Let's have a look. No, it was this week. Let's have a look. You little Reddit lurker. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. There we go. Yeah, he says, I know I'm going to get hate, but a great ride by Marquez despite the crash. There's no way that that bike deserves in the top three. He was grinding brilliantly. was on the limit for the whole race. Um... It just goes to show yeah, that just, the rider makes the difference. Oh, God, it does. yeah. And it's yeah. M- like somebody else has said on there, it's mind-blowing that he can drag that bike to these positions. But not only like like a Rins, obviously, uh, Kota, which was amazing, but Marcus can do it consistently wherever. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do to that bike, he can just do it. And it's... Well, he was on like, course, course to do it kind of, Portugal until he made that mistake, which yeah, obviously was a massive mistake, but... Yeah. But it's a shame to see him drop down positions later in the races, you know, because... Maybe his fitness fatigue or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know he was battling the sprint races. Did he get on the podium in the sprint race? I can't no, I was fifth. Ah, he was fifth. Yeah, he was. But he's he's there every time. He's there, and then the free practices. He's there, and it's. I'm just glad he had a clean yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah, like I that am, yeah, was massive for him, and people would the, have. He been... didn't knock anyone off, and it's like. Yeah, and he wasn't good. like yeah. too crazy on getting toes off people. I say that as I no. know he literally towed behind Jorge Martin. To get that and fast Peko, lap, but he? I think Peko he did well, Peko yeah. earlier on on the weekend too. But it wasn't like his mind games weren't as bad as they usually were, and he was nowhere near anyone else. And it was actually Bez getting the penalty for you know pushing him off track. So I think mm. that's also something to to note this weekend. And I'm glad he sort of went somewhat under the radar because people yeah. loved to talk shit about him for any reason. So. Oh, of course, any excuse people to actually, you know. Um, did you see someone's yeah, poll at the weekend and it was like, who's to blame for the crash against uh, Peko and Maverick? And Mark was one of the options. <laughs> it's like the Zarko meme from years ago and it was like, whenever something happened, it was like a Zarko story. It's always Zarko. <laughs> oh, it was 2020 when he had the big uh, crash in Austria and all and everyone yeah. just was like, it's Zarko's fault. Zarko's it's always fault. Zarko's yeah. fault. <laughs> it's funny. BRM Mears crashed again, though. That is so sad. It is <laughs> d- devastating to see. Like he's a three DNFs in the last three races. I don't. He's not. I don't know if he's even finished a sprint race yet either. I don't know if this stat is right, but I heard that he had as many crashes this weekend as he did yeah. in his entire twenty twenty season. I think it was either this weekend or, or last this season yeah. so far. I don't know. Well, Something, he's had a lot of crashes like this season so far. But there was something at some point yeah. he's I remember hearing the same already thing, yeah. had or within maybe the last couple of weekends or maybe it was Hareth or something, but he's it. had that many crashes. 
Let's have a look. I'll just see if I, I think can it was this weekend, it. like in in the one weekend. It could be, you know. Um, and the thing is, see. he must watch Marquez riding around at the sharp end of the, the grid and thinking, how, like, how? Like, how? What the, what's the secret to this bike? But to be fair, he's going to have to change his riding style or maybe is in the process of trying to change his riding style to be like more Mark Marquez but or even Rins you know because yeah. Rins clearly has made radical changes to the way he's riding um, mm. why can't Mir do it I don't know maybe this is more the measure of the of the rider it's yeah because if it was like oh it's just um it's just Marquez, but Rins got a result. He didn't do great this weekend, did he, Rins? No, he but he's not I been think It was always going to be a kind of a Kota thing. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. but he didn't even finish the race. Like, but Rins mm. has opportunity to do better slightly later on in the season too because we know he does well at Silverstone, Australia, yes. Valencia. Like, There's a lot of circuits mm. still coming up that he yeah. has an opportunity Rins to perform has always been on. like that though. Wins has always been a bit like yeah, up and down. That's he, it. Like he has crashed out the last two races, so he's probably just going for his crash. You know, his crash he phase is, of the season. This yeah. is about right. In yeah. fairness, for Rins, he went through his crash phase this time last year when Suzuki announced yeah, they were did. leaving, and the year before yeah. as well. So like he crashed out of he crashed out of twenty twenty one. He crashed out of Portimao, Spain, obviously Jerez, Le Mans, and Mugello. Last year, he crashed out of Jerez, Le Mans, Mugello, and Catalonia. Uh, he's just crashed out of Jerez. He's crashed out of Le Mans, and we've got Mugello and Sachin Ring next. So, there you um, go. See, it's just standard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it, it's, it's weird though because it? you mentioned that it's like there are there are tracks where you know Rins makes the difference. Yeah, you know. The, 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 mm. Tracks that you class as Rins tracks, almost you you know Rins is going to do well. Whereas I can't think there are anywhere I think, oh, this is a Mir track. Like Mir does well here, Austria maybe. Um, Where do you take his win? Thing, like uh, Valencia because Rins let him. Um, <laughs> he moved aside, didn't he? Didn't he not see? <laughs> I don't know. It's been that long ago. I can't remember, but no. I know he's only taken one. Yeah, Rins has been good at. Mm, it's so inconsistent. It's unbelievable. He didn't get a single podium last year. Like, and you're like, oh, he got a podium in Mugello in 2021, but he crashed out of it last year. Sure. He, and then, oh, what about. He's only been on the front Trump? row once as well. Like, his qualifying yeah, shocking one too. Pole or something. Pole, he's had two career pole positions in Moto 3, and that's it. He's <laughs> never been on pole. No, not in Moto 2 and not in Moto GP. <laughs> That's the maddest MotoGP world yeah. champion stats ever. Because, yeah, because I remember, didn't he get, like, his first pole front row, like, last yeah. year or something? Everyone was like, what the hell? Yeah, he's, it, like, I, I clearly remember he's only been on the front row once. I don't think he ever qualified on the front row the year he won the championship. No, he's had... No, I don't think he did. I don't know. He's had, he's had podiums in Austria and... Twice, 2020 and 2021. But then he crashed out in 2022 because of that high side. So again, yeah, there's not really a mere track, is there? No. But he did, he got his first Meta 3 win in Austria as well, thinking about it off the top of my head. Well, that could be something then. No, he's not going to though because KTMs are going to be oh, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
That's true. Where did he do a two? He got eighth. Oh. Meh. 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 But yeah, um, yeah, we only had 13 riders finish this race as well. Which yeah, is, that's it. Every rider that finished got a point. Folger got this two, has been, the three points. This has been a lot this season. Where yeah. you just have to finish the race to get points. Yeah, like well, you look is, through the Merch GP Wiki, the amount of America, retirements is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was in America. 15 riders finished, because I think Binder or somebody somebody finished 15, but got the last point. Yeah, because Peko and Binder crashed at one point in a race, and Binder got the last point because they both remounted. Yeah, it was um, 13 in America as well. 13 finishers. Yeah, that's it, 13 in America. <laughs> and then 17 in Argentina. So... Near enough, pretty much just had to finish. Yeah. Nuts. Eek. Get me on a MotoGP bike. I'll get points next week. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. Even Portugal. (laughs) Portugal was 14. What the hell? It's weird. It's going back to the old CRT days, really. It seems like you just have to stay on the bike to get points now, and that's it. Yeah, like... Savadori stepped in for Oliveira, and he got points. Petrucci got points. Yeah. Petrucci was getting points anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously he's a goat. Like, it wasn't um, wet. Um, if it was wet, then it was the wind. But if it was gone. wet, it would have been... Yeah, exactly. It's a shame. Mm. But um, Next year. Yeah. Always next year. Yeah. But um, it was good to see Jorge Martin win the sprint race as well. Finally. Um, he was made to win a sprint race. It's finally happened. Yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's he likes the... The one lap man. He was always a one lap man. He's a pole man. In Moto three, he got I think the record poles in the season or something ridiculous. I remember when he's in that Moto three, that championship winning year, and he just got pole after pole after pole. Like yeah, that's it. In Moto three, he's at twenty pole positions. He's been a pole hound since he came into in Moto GP as well, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's had sixty seven races in Moto three and had twenty pole positions. In Moto GP, he's had thirty nine, maybe forty. It's not updated. Maybe um, he's had nine pole positions. That's oh, it feels like that's, that's, that, that's twenty five percent. It's like well, around twenty five percent. It's that's a fucking good record. Yeah, <laughs> more than most other like, riders. Exactly, like you're me. Like you know, it, like the fact that Fadjo Digio has more pole positions than Yamir in MotoGP is actually insane. Oh, kick a man that while is. he's dying. I feel bad now. Bloody hell! Hello. Oh my Sorry. god! Sorry, Digio got eighth though. Yeah, yeah, solid. Race, yeah. Ahead of Fabio Cotteraro in seventh, who crashed out of the sprint race. Don't talk to me about him. <clears throat> that was tough. Fabio's but not going to win a race this year. Um, no. The issue, he did, did he win last year? Yeah, he did. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I wanted to talk about something earlier that I thought about. I thought about something earlier and I wanted to bring it up. You had a thought? Ooh. Yeah, Jeez. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Was it an original <laughs> thought? thought of the day. No. It was mm. actually. What? Oh my God. So. Riders and loyalty to their teams. It's great, but it can go against you. Mark Marquez being loyal to Honda. He's now on a shitbox. Fabio being loyal to Yamaha. He could have easily switched last year and he stayed. And it's gone crazy. Like he can't, he can barely get top five. He's had one podium this year and the rest he's been outside the top five. He's going slower. He's not going as fast as he did in previous years. Yeah. Where would you suggest he should have well, gone last year. Hold on, hold on, oh, hold sorry. on. So, <laughs> the loyalty problem, it goes over to Jonathan Ray in World Superbike. He could have tried to switch manufacturers, but he stayed with Kawasaki and he's not even in the top three of the championship now, despite being one of the top three riders who could finish in the top three every race. Lewis Hamilton in Formula One, 
you know, it's that loyalty and the loyalty is great, but there's only so much loyalty you give a brand or you need to kind of then be selfish. And I think Fabio, given the challenge, the problems that were already arising for Fabio at the end of last year and mid last year, and maybe 2021 should have tried to switch where he would have gone. I don't know. But I think now he's kind of, he's sat in a two-year contract now and knows that he's got to deal with this this year and next year now. Does this make you think about Maverick Vinales' fallout with Yamaha? Yes, good point. Like That is just a Bazinga moment there. Um, That sort of makes a bit more sense because he was complaining about the bike and he hated the bike. And it going backwards and it was, yeah. And I always thought, well you just clearly aren't riding it the correct way considering your teammate is winning left, right and centre. Like I can think of a, a couple of races. There was one in particular where Fabio won and Maverick was second and Maverick looked... Assen. Yeah. It was Assen, Assen. yeah. Lo- like he looked distraught and Fabio was obviously on top of the world and then the big fallout happened. I wonder... Well, Rossi complained about the bike for years. For years he complained about the bike and nothing changed. Yeah. But the rider always the made the difference, problems. though, I suppose. Yeah. And then, like, Fabio is an... I wouldn't say he's an alien yet, but he's of that talent. He's got that special, extra special spark that I don't think Peko has. I don't think many other riders on that grid actually have that spark. Marcus has got a spark, obviously. Yeah. I think Fabio's got that spark, which is why he can do what he can do. But... There's only so far you can drag a bike to that's crap. But at the minute... Marquez can do it to a degree because he is one of the fourth greatest riders of all time. Fabio isn't there yet. He doesn't have that maturity. He doesn't have that maybe experience of doing that. You know, he suffered in Moto2 and Moto3 on the speed up and maybe the Calex as well. And... Fabio, I don't know if he can develop a bike is maybe what I'm trying to say. And so it's going in the wrong direction. But that would well, make that, sense though because, yeah. I mean, he came into MotoGP like we literally mentioned earlier at, what, 19? You know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The lack of experience. Like, like they've got Cal Crutch and he's great. You know, Jorge Lorenzo, Vanti de Rossi, when they were on the bike, it was perfect. Did you hear what Jorge Lorenzo bike. said? Yeah, and Fabio, and Fabio disagreed with Fabio it. went, no, <laughs> absolutely not. So, Jorge Lorenzo, for context, said that they should Yamaha should not have sacked him and they should have not have gotten Cal Crutchlow in because Jorge Lorenzo would have... Made the difference. If Jorge Lorenzo on the bike would have made the difference and the bike wouldn't be so bad now, and Fabio denied it. I love like, that. <laughs> I do love that. But yeah. is it, the you know... KTM have Danny Pedrosa. Yeah. If Yamaha Yamaha had their alien test rider, who knows? But I don't know. Danny is the king of riding around problems. Danny is the king of making a bike that doesn't work for him work for him because he's five foot two. 51 kilograms and he still managed to muscle a MotoGP round to be to three victories. That reps all Honda wasn't the best bike on the grid and like him and Mark Marquez made that bike work like both of Dona, them again amazing at riding around problems he yeah. rode around all the problems on that Ducati and he had like 
the worst teammate ever in Mark Marquez. Yeah. Like you wouldn't <laughs> want him on the other side of the garage. And Danny Pedroza had that for well, Pedroza, years. Yeah. So to be fair, out of all the test riders ever, of course, Danny Pedroza is the GOAT. Yeah. That's and it. And then for Lorenzo, it took him so long to gel with the Ducati and they had to obviously stick bath mats to it to get it to work finally when they listened <laughs> to him. But the Ducati was still a good bike. It probably better than the Yamaha he hopped off of. Yeah. And, you know, and then he couldn't make the Honda work. And it's like, why could you then make a struggling Yamaha work if... Good point. It's been you've so gone on to the best bike of the grid. Since he was on world. a Yamaha too. Because he obviously left Yamaha, then went to Ducati, then went to Honda. Like, I don't think he has a, a good idea of what the Yamaha's actually like at the minute because it's been so long since he's been on one. So, I mean, it's a Jorge Lorenzo thing to say, but yeah. I, I also don't agree with it. I don't think he'd be the best person for it. Jorge also didn't have the fitness at all. Like, it was four seconds slower. Aleish even said he was, like, unfit, completely unfit. Like, I mean, Aleish's background is going to make an unreal test rider. Yeah. Oh, he'll be superb. He'll be so good. That's what it wants to do anyway, potentially. Yeah. Um, so I don't know who Yamaha shame, but No, because Aleish would fit really well in the, you know, the stewards and stuff like that. He'd fit really well into that oh, as well. Brilliant. But yeah. if he's an Aprilia ambassador, it wouldn't work because then you've got a bias. Well, he either mm-hmm. needs to step in to be like a, a spokesperson for riders and they need to create a union or he needs to yeah. be Aprilia's test rider sort of head well, yeah, voice sort amazing. of thing like right hand man to the riders yeah, him and Savadori work really well yeah. together like Savadori it's weird like Savadori did well in the world Superbikes wasn't insanely good did okay Moto E then he won the Italian CIV championship Superbike championship but then you know then they probably assigned him and again it wasn't like he was a superstar rider but again he seems to be able to make up the difference and help them where they need to Yeah. so maybe not going for the best rider ever could help but then where would who could Yamaha be because the only thing I could think of is maybe Top Rack getting more testing time to help boost that M1 maybe Andrea Locatelli but they're so different is the the problem like Yamaha World Superbike to Yamaha MotoGP is such a different bike I don't think bringing the World Superbike riders across Mm. would help at all because you're looking at such different things like it would take them so long to actually get used to the bike that you're not going to get positive feedback that you need straight away no, and the, I think the one issue I think that Fabio's face as well, he's, he said the bike's harder to ride now. You need to like be more aggressive with it. Yep. They're now actually going back to the 2021 specification now, going back to like those kind of things to try and kind of find a good, a better path. Like we've said recently on the podcast as well, that he needs to do that. So it's good to see Yamaha kind of <clears throat> looking back and trying to find yep. that away. Calcutta is great, but Yamaha have one test rider in Europe that is... Cal Crutchlow. Mm. Then you look at KTM, they've got Danny Pedroza, they got Jonas Volger as well, Honda have Stefan Bradl, and potentially other ones, I'm not really sure. No, I think, yeah, it's only one, but... Well, there you go. Is and it the Honda shit. Yam- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> KTM have Savadori, no, oh my God, I probably have Savadori, but they've also had Matteo Baracoco testing it as well. They've had a multitude of European riders testing it. But they also so had concessions up worth... to last year, so they had more testing time yeah. anyway, so their actual riders That's were true. testing it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ducati can rely on Piero because he's got he's been riding that Ducati since 2013. Yeah. So he's great. 
But they've also had Chaz Davies doing little bits on the Moto E mainly, but he has done a tiny little bit, I believe, on the Desmo Sedici. But Yamaha really needs to maybe look at him playing a second test rider with that smooth riding style that could maybe turn the Yamaha back. But then it's like, who? To be fair, though, hire? Fabio Quattararo, his riding style does get compared to Jorge Lorenzo a lot of the time. So in saying that, maybe Lorenzo is onto something. But then you just you're just building a bike for one person, then really one True. riding style. That's what they've done for years. So that yeah. I think I said on the podcast ages ago that Fat, Yamaha will screw themselves over putting all their eggs in one basket with the yeah. Fabio thing, which they did last year and the year prior. And, and there it's it been is. it's been like that since he got to the factory team. They literally like he's been destined for that. You know, he was handpicked. They wanted him mm. for a few mm. years. You know. I just wonder what's changed between 2017 and now with Yamaha because you look back in 2017 with Yamaha and you had Vinales on it and he was winning, he won three races, he won his first Open in two races, Valentino Rossi Rossi on it who won a race and got loads of podiums, you had Johan Zarka who was a rookie who led at Qatar and did really well, you had Jonas Folger on the bike who got a podium in Sashin Wing, so they had all four riders scoring podiums on their bike and now it's unrideable. Yeah. What's happened? It's like, what's gone wrong? Where Where has the direction gone so wrong? I think 2021 was a great year for Yamaha, but probably the worst year they could have had possibly because it gave them a false sense of security. Yeah. Yes, you've won Moto yeah. America, you've won BSB, you've won World Superbikes, you've won MotoGP. And it's given them that, okay, we're actually there. When in reality, it's just kind of putting all your little problems into a closet, shutting the door and going, mom, my bedroom's clean. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I think? And it's that false sense of security. I think the Patronus sponsorship <laughs> on their satellite bike, losing that, I think has been a massive... Yeah, because that was a cash. Yeah. Massive loss. We lost Razlan. That's it. That's it. I mean, they mm-hmm. still had Razlan last year. <laughs> oh, true. Did they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Last yeah, year. Did, yeah. Jesus. And he even got fed up a young Yeah, he was like, I'm sick of this. So... <laughs> Do you know what? I've got the solution. Okay. I know the test rider they need. They're not going to, they they can't pull it off, but I know who they need. And it's Zarco. Oh Oh my God. Yeah. You, I was just thinking. They pay the big bucks for it. Honestly, that would work. Like if Zarco was to get retired this year, which you won't see happening. And Yamaha paid the big bucks. Which they they wish. That's who they need. I mean, look what taking someone from a factory Ducati has done for KTM. They need I mean, a Ducati rider. And to be <laughs> fair, they did take a Ducati rider in Andrea Vizioso, but he'd been out for half Aye. the year uh, and didn't done. end yeah. on good yeah. terms. No. So. No. But then that's why Jorge Martin would have maybe been a really good choice. But Jorge Martin has now said that he doesn't really want to ride the bike anymore. No, he doesn't. He wants to stay with Ducati because he's actually got a contract for next year, which I didn't even think I realised. But he's actually got a contract for next year uh. with Pramac anyway. So to get out, there is potentially a clause where if a factory ride, which is in a lot of satellite riders, have a clause in their contract where if another factory seat opens up and they can approach you, you can talk to them and you can get out of your contract I, to go to a factory. I think he panicked because obviously he said he wanted to move. Then there and was then noises went, of top rack. There was noises of other people, Moto Two riders, etc. And I think he's gone. Oh crap! I shouldn't oh, have crap. cut my ties with Ducati so quick. And he's like, "Oh, I love this bike," and obviously has a now good weekend on it. 
And he's like, I'm not salty that I missed out in the factory seat at all. Like, I love it here, which is a complete other lie. But you do what you had to do to make sure you actually have a seat next year. So, yep. yeah. And I mean, Martin is 25 as well. Like, it sounds mad, but with the age that all these younger riders are coming in, 18, 19 year olds, his time is not on his side anymore, which is, again, nuts to say and think about. Yeah. Because, again, he will get picked up by the teams. He's a young rider. He's still got so much potential to show. Yeah. But, again, he's on the he's on the older edge of the grid now. He's on that. Yep. Caddy don't need a reason to get rid of someone. No, that's no, it. They've got, the so, they've got the money. They've got the funnel of talent in Motor 2 coming up. There's Yeah. He's got two or three years to find himself winning the title. Otherwise, he'll start going backwards. In his yeah, like pretty seats, much really, yeah, and uh, I think he's got his third. I think he'll be, it'll be a good. That's the issue because Pramac was meant to be the feeder team for the factory squad. You know, you had um, what's his name? Oh my god, Petrucci! I forgot his name again. Oh and my you know, god, ben, both are in. I know both are in Pramac. And went up. Well, Miller and Peck go both for squad. And Miller and Peck. Oh my, how did I forget about that? <laughs> Moved <laughs> up you know together, I mean? like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they've had to get, go for an Bastianini who's in like way down in two-year-old bite because none of the guys in their Pramac seats are performing well enough to get the factory seat. But it makes you question. And that is an issue in itself. Why is Zarko still there? Because he's a very good test rider and just a good all round. Because I think as well, there's a bit more that goes on behind the scenes and more of the fact that you kind of need that good guy in your squad. I think, you know, for morale and things like that. And I think the team in general may work better having a guy like Zarko in there because not only can he get the few good results, get top five of the championship, a few podiums here and there. You know, he's had two podiums already this year. But... He also just helps bring the team up and maybe helps Martin get a better out of himself. Because you need, sometimes teams need older heads in the garage. An older head is not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think, anyway. But that's think another that's what job Yamaha title. needs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a test rider. Yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not second rider. But Zarko got a podium this weekend, yeah. gone. Like, he's, he's good enough to keep a seat. But in yeah. Pramac, I don't know. Yeah, know. Bramac should be the feeder squad, like which is why Arbolino, the rumours of Arbolino going to Grissini, I don't like because I think Arbolino should be going to Pramac. Well, really? in Arbolino's case, if he goes to Grissini, he's got as good of a chance of getting into the factory team as going to Pramac would get him. That's what you're saying. Like yeah. literally, in a Bastianini should you the you just need to be on one of their Ducatis, yeah, and you are in with it in with a show. Yeah, but in the same way, it's like if you're in the Pramac squad, you get a current bike. You get the same bike as the factory boys. But you also need to be a, putting the performance in of as the factory boys, which obviously that's why Bastianini got it ahead of Martin because Bastianini yeah. was better week in, week He's out. He's outperforming Jack Miller. So, Bastianini outperformed Jack Miller. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. Like, But the thing is, Theoretically, say the championship stays as is and Bezzecchi and Bagnaia go head-to-head and they either finish, and they finish at a 1-2, whichever order, Bezzecchi might win the championship, Bagnaia might win another one. What happens then? Because you've got Bezzecchi potentially winning the Moto GP World Championship in a satellite team. Like, Ducati for them would be like, we need him on a factory bike now because Valentino Rossi's squad are going to be Yamaha next year and we're going to lose our... 
then you a put him in Primark. champion and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't chuck Bastianini out on no. the fact that he hasn't performed this year because he's been out with injury. No, he's been injured. You never yeah. do that because you're going to become the most unlikable team on the grid if you do do that you gotta give him a fair shot and if it's a year next year fine but you've given him an opportunity so obviously the logical thing is to put bears on the current machinery yeah that makes sense yeah I think yeah and then it's either but then Zarco and Martin I think are contracted for next year as well <laughs> so Again, then, they've got all the money in the world. Like they have the resources. True. They put Physical people chairs. where, like, if both riders want to stay with Ducati, they will go where they are put. Basically, yeah, yeah. That's a fair well, that point. was Jack Miller's offer. It's Pramac. Yeah, yeah. I think KTM is better for him. Well, obviously, <laughs> but at the like time, it. you're sort yeah. of going, "Why would you go to KTM when you still got a, a factory back under you?" But obviously, yeah, exactly. It's Oh, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. <laughs> part of me thinks it's going to go wait. mad and the other part of me thinks it's going to stay exactly the same. It's going to be so boring and be like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But it's a whole hinging on Valentino Rossi, maybe in Yamaha. And... But again, like, if your rider is winning races like this and the Yamaha is barely scraping top fives, why would you want to switch to Yamaha? Yes, you're an ambassador for the squad, but why would you want to, you know? The results surely are the main thing I would results, say uh, MotoGP is a results driven sport yeah, yeah but again how, that's it how cool would it be if you put the money into Yamaha got a satellite team and they actually turned it around in the next five years that'd be unreal like, that would be sort of that that's, story, that's the Rossi way isn't it yeah that story is better than just sticking with Ducati and okay yeah we can win week in week out but if you come in as the underdogs and turn it around mm-hmm 20 That's years after he won on Yamaha himself. Exactly. On the 20th anniversary. People love that sort Juicy. of stuff. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, there's a lot of PR and stuff in that. And that's yeah. why everyone was willing Fabio to win last year because he was the underdog on the on the yeah. bike anyway. You know, his bike yeah. was so inferior to the Ducati that people were willing him to win because of that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um Talking about Ducati and being so good, though. Um, Danilo Petrucci said that that yacht Ducati he rode was the best bike he's ever ridden in his entire career. Yay. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> he said it was like a great gift he got from Ducati. Proud to have ridden the factory Ducati, the best bike he's ever had in his entire life. And he would love to ride the bike a lot more. He could make another good test rider. He'd make a fantastic uh, test Ducati. rider. Yep. Yeah. Like, can we get him back from a jello? He's just doing side oh. quests, though. Like, I think yeah. he would become a test rider, well, but he just needs to complete a few more wee bits this of balls. Yeah. work, right? Because Petrucci said at the end of this year, he's going to decide whether to stay in Wells with Bikes or switch to Dakar. There's maybe no harm in him doing the Dakar and also testing a Ducati MotoGP bike, provided Ducati could provide him a Dakar bike as well. Well, they got that desert so, sled thing now, haven't they? Yeah. So the Desert Storm X, is it? What did he know. ride? The l- Oh, cool. it was a KTM the last KTM, time he did think, the Dakar? Yeah. yeah, he did it. And then switched to Ducati very quickly. Wait, does it Desert... <laughs> Ducati Desert X, yeah. Ah, desert so X. they could do the Dakar on that, maybe if they're looking to enter it. So he could stay at a factory Ducati rider in the Dakar 
and bearded a Cathy Test rider at the same time in MotoGP. If that is, he said he would love to ride that bike again. If that's not the dream, then I don't know what is. You know, oh yeah, that is the dream. One man that can pull it off. It is Petrucci. Like he's done oh, yeah. everything he's the in the last Swiss couple Army years. <laughs> yeah, that's literally a Swiss Army. Oh knife. my god, did you see his motorhome compared to the Marquez's as well? No. no uh, I saw how did you not see the picture of it? I think I saw it, but scrolled past. What? Oh, it's so oh, funny. He literally oh, has like a no. caravan, and oh, everyone else has really? like the oh. most. Mm, Bougie, like massive like, yeah motorhomes and he's literally I've in got it, I've got it, I've got it. a white caravan oh what a legend <laughs> he's just a humble lovely man you know is this, I really chat. hope this is the right photo yeah amazing <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> to be amazing still a sick motorhome he's got I would love something like that but um, yeah it's not yeah. like a house on wheels no like the Marquez brothers there no. No, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's He's got a hell. standard caravan, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 Like a humble little Petrucci, as you'd expect. That though, bottle's a beer at the back. Oh, no, it's, it's um, boots, it's I think. Boots. Yeah. Could be beer. Boot beer. Probably. It's all the same to the Jack weekend. Miller. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, Paco. Prosecco. Prosecco prefers the bubbles, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> wow. Um, Catchy. Yeah. It was nice to see Petrucci back anyway. Um, Always. But yeah, we'll move on to motor two and three quickly, and then we will do the predictions and round off because Lauren is getting very tired, I can tell. Lauren also has a work <laughs> in the morning, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, you've got to say, motor two, Sam Lowe's is probably the unluckiest guy of the weekend. I didn't catch it. What happened? What? Explain to me um, like it like I am a listener of the podcast. So he qualified on pole position. Yes, Goat. I know that. Is second in a row, which Goat. is really good. Yep. Um was running third Solid. behind um behind Arbolino and Lopez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crashed. Oh. Sam low slide as always. Um wasn't really sure how he crashed. So then there was a monster crash involving a Canet, Arenas, and Gonzalez. Thankfully, all riders are okay. Um, big job for Spiddy after that one because they were wearing the same leather suit because I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> to fix those. Um, so then everyone had to scramble to get back. All riders were eligible to restart the race. And the rules state that when the klaxon sounds, you have one minute to leave the pits. And the klaxon sounded to leave the pits and they were still working on the bike because they managed to drag the bike back to the garage that Sam had crashed at turn two. Okay. Because turn one is that weird kink for some reason. Yeah. Um, they were still working on that bike and in about 30 seconds, even as they were like wheeling the bike out of the garage, they were still working on the bike and putting stuff on. Sam Lowe's got to the end of pit lane and was still doing stuff on the bike and Sam Lowe's missed the pit exit by like three seconds. Oh. So then he had to start the race from the back of the grid. A 24 free rider grid. No, 27, six rider grid. And he battled through from 26th and finished in 15th place, beating Sean Delakelly on the last lap, which I'm very sad about because Sean Delakelly was on for his first points. But no, not his first points, first points this year anyway. Um, But yeah, absolutely unreal result for Sam Lowe's given what had happened to be honest like full full kind of respect um, and kind of round of applause to be honest to the Mark VDS squad 
for an absolute incredible job, just not giving up until the very end. And yeah. Kind of love that. I mean, Sam didn't get back into the garage until like a minute before the pit lane opened. Didn't he have to change his suit I as well? I must have, because there was five minutes for that team to fix that bike. I was at five, jeez. But it, yeah, because that's putting your fairings on it and everything. Pit lane was meant to open at like one twenty nine or something like that, and then it got changed to one thirty four, and the bike literally got dragged back, and they had about five six minutes to fix it, and they did. Jeez, insane! And to miss the exit by three seconds, apparently the crowd was going wild. They went, yeah. I, I watched the back of the crowd went nuts because the commentator like at the, the circuit commentator was like geeing them up, so the whole crowd was like mm. proper gunning for it, and he literally yeah, because they wheeled the bike. Sorry, Karen. I was just gonna say, and I actually lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but yeah, like because they wheeled the bike out of the garage, and the whole crowd went cheered wild. and went yeah. wild. I mean, Tony then, yeah, missed but... it. Never mind Sam. Like Tony was cutting it fine too. Yeah, so. he was. Yeah, and then yeah, he got to the end, and they didn't let him pass, and the crowd booed. <sighs> well, I mean, he that. was a good sort of like. 10, 15, 20 metres back, three seconds to go. Obviously had to keep mm. it within the speed limit. Like Yeah. Yeah, like it's just unfortunate. And like, yeah, you could be like, oh, just let them out anyway. But the rules are the rules. Yeah. You know, we bang on about them sticking to the rules and they are sticking to the rules. Like with the Brad Binder thing, with 0.9 seconds, they have stuck to the rules and you kind of can't complain about it. Yeah. But it does suck. I hope he treated his team and Tony's team for that matter, who also helped out who on the bike to a bear after that. I think everyone mm. deserves it. Like that's just proper teamwork. Like all the mechanics from Mark VDS were helping with that bike, and yeah, it's just fair play to them all. Yeah. You know, big respect. And obviously, even then after the race, like Sam was cheering Tony on as well when they were yeah, on the podium. Yeah, like, he's like, yeah, good job. And seems all that. Yeah. to be a really mm. nice atmosphere there, and they actually seem to really get on with each other. And given that that's Sam good. and and you know the little spat last year yeah. as well, when he knocked him off at Mugello. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. I thought they didn't like each other, but this year they've really mm. been like sunshine and rainbows. So matured. Yeah, I think Tony's. Yeah, I think yeah, Sam Tony's, gives Tony a lot of like advice. Tony's matured a lot. Yeah. Like I remember in his about three days when he'd be like in the interview screaming like "Good feelings." And all that. And <laughs> this time he's just he's a lot, which is hilarious. I loved it. But he's a lot more mellow now. He's a lot more like. You know, happy Mother's Day, da, 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 like good feelings, but not like screaming it. And I don't know, I think he's a lot more mellow now. And I kind of, I like this. He's a bit more methodical. He's a bit more... Just calculated. Kind of like, and yeah, and I think obviously he's a... Yeah, I think he's... Yeah, now he's yeah, a championship leader. He's figured it out now. He knows what he needs yeah. to do. Mm, and him and first Pedro is going to be good this year. I can't believe Pedro's crashed again. What the frick are you doing, bro? Mm. I said this... I'm putting my faith back in Pedro Acosta this weekend and he's going to do it. And Declan asked me who's coming out on top this weekend and I was like, obviously it's going to be Pedro Acosta because why wouldn't it be? And then he bloody crashes and makes crashes. me and everyone else look like an idiot. <laughs> I don't think any Pedro Acosta to do that. But <laughs> Wee. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> Very funny. It feels like the, the Mark Marquez thing where he's just, he's like so fast because he's so on the limit and he's still mm. just kind of getting a feel for exactly where that is. Um, and mm. it, he's, it's putting him in the, in the gravel. 
more often than it probably should, but it is why he's winning races as well. It's the double-edged sword. Because, well, Pedro and Arbolino went into the weekend tied on points, and Mm -hmm. Pedro's handed Arbolino a full 25. Yep. Just a water 25 points ago. That's the danger. Yeah. That's scary to think about clawing that back, unless Tony Mm. makes a similar mistake. Which, Which can happen. Tony's finished every race so far this season. Yeah. But that's in the, the thing, top four. Tony's been so much more consistent than Pedro has this season. And that's, that's a scary do, thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As we say in MotoGP, if you're consistent, you'll get it. Yeah. As they but say. To be fair, Alonso Lopez has been very consistent as well. I'm very impressed because he's on the bus, Bosca Scuro. you got to remember, he's had a podium, three podiumes this year. He DNF'd in the first race, but he's got 61 points. He's only 13 behind Pedro Costa, but. Lopez is great, but he needs to start fighting for some wins because if he's not taking points out of Arbolino and Acosta, he will start to see that league grow and grow and grow, as yeah. we know, we're only early on. But he needs to get the wins now and keep that point deficit as small as he physically can that'll so it can benefit him later on in the year. Yeah, he did say after the race, though he said something about the feeling of the bike hasn't really been there he had chatter he had loads of chatter and he was slow as shit on the straights did you see how much time he was losing yeah he says that he hasn't been comfortable for maybe the last couple weeks now I don't know exactly what he said so I would need to double check that but just being uncomfortable on the bike and that there definitely is Mm. something like a niggle there that he needs to like iron out for the next couple races but that obviously he's definitely a chatter yeah I mean he's getting podiums which is good but like you said he's going to have to fight for actual wins if he wants to take points because if Tony and Pedro are going to continue to be consistently taking race wins he's going to have to do something to actually take points out of them Mm, oh yeah another rider that's been very consistent is Philip Salach who is only one point behind Lopez in the championship standings and took his first ever dry podium solid podium Um, as well very good podium. Another laugh would have podium. had Arbolino. He's another one of those riders, again, who, okay in Moto3, very good in Moto2. Because he's tall. Yep. Yes. Yeah, the height definitely He'd helps. be a good MotoGP you know, rider. He would, genuinely. And he's, you know, he's, we say about MotoGP that it's full of Spaniards and Italians and he's helped by the fact that he's, what is it, from Czechia, is it now called? Czech Republic? Czech Republic. So that helps. Yeah, that helps him a lot because... He's got a different passport to the Spaniards and Italians. Well, yeah, that's it. It makes you wonder about the Grissini rumours with Tony Arbolino because surely if Philip Salach continues the consistency this year, he would be in with more of a shout considering he is a Grissini rider. He is, but I think he'll stay another year to try and fight yeah. the championship. It's only a second yeah. year. Yeah, true, actually. Tony, this is, had three. Yeah, this is his third year. Yeah. So maybe say one more year and just see because then again he'll line up with the factories and line up with everybody else in MotoGP which will help him out. Well to be fair Tony Arbolino's sort of done I suppose he's done three years when I'm thinking about the Pedro Costa thing like Tony Arbolino came into Moto2 and didn't do well and then he was in the intact squad took a step up last year and now has taken a a massive step up this year so I suppose Pedro staying a third year wouldn't be a bad thing Three years is probably very good for Moto three. You have some riders that can leapfrog it, like you're Amir who did one year, you had Marvin Yalas who did just one year. But how many years did the likes of Anaya Bastianini do? Bastianini did two, I believe. He had his rookie year and got podiums and then yeah. won the championship the year after. Pecco did two as well. Bez yeah, Pecco did two. Did a quite a few Bez years. Bez did 
three or four, I think. Um, because he got, yeah, because he finished fourth overall in 2020. And I think he was a rookie then. Raul Fernandez did, did one. one. Yeah, he did one. Yeah, Raul Fernandez did one. Bad, like, that's um, a mistake now looking back on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Marco Bezzetti did three. Yeah. Yeah, because right. he had the KTM year, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. And then he was. Oh, God. VR46. Yeah. Yeah, most of the, like Karen Canet. Oh god, this is like his fourth year now. Yeah, fourth year now in Moto Two. Yeah, so he really needs to kind of see now he's on the other end of that. I think where you spent too long. Yeah. How old is he now? He is he's twenty three. He's twenty three. He'll be twenty four at the end of this year. Aaron Canet. It's a great age you know, so to move nearly up. the same age. Nearly the same age as Jorge Martin though, and then you're starting to look younger. I believe he's a year younger you know? than him though. Yeah, is the thing. So you're gonna go. Why would you want that when you can have Abelino who's 22 at the moment, you know, or Alonso Lopez who's 21, you know, and it puts like Jake Dixon 27 out of it. Yeah. And the like Jake Dixon, who I think could still get my GP seat with maybe, I don't know at this point, if he can start winning some races and put in a championship fight. Yeah. But again, you'd end up as a career veteran of Moto2, like we've seen with Thomas Luthie or Sam Lowe's, which yeah. isn't a bad thing. No. But it's like, you know, these riders want that next step. They want MotoGP. And yeah. if you spend too long in Moto2, like Aaron Cannett is kind of going along that way, you end up staying in that like Marcel Schrotter for years and then just going, right, super sport. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, I'm trying to see Vietti in fourth. He had the save of the weekend. Save. He did, yeah. yeah. Yes. Sorry, look at Marini. Um. <laughs> that was unreal. Yeah, very, very good. Um, Another rookie, though, that is doing really well. Sergio Garcia. Yeah. Top 10. Unreal. Garcia. Yeah. Garcia. Well, that's second top 10 of the year as well. He's at the fifth already in Argentina. Well, he's, like, <laughs> he's, he's doing a, really well. He made up like 15 places in that Argentinian race as well. Like, it was yeah, mad. Did, yeah. And you've got to remember, he's short. Like, I don't know. I'll try and see if I can find out how tall he is, but he's a short ass. Like, because it was like, I was wondering if he'd go maybe the. Danny Pedro's away, which is obviously doing really well, or the Lorenzo mm. della Porta way of being too short and struggling. And he seems to be going the Danny Pedro's away. He's not the rookie that I thought would be I thought doing he'd do well. Hand on heart, I thought he'd do shit. Yeah. I thought he would oh, really struggle. He's making Guevara look silly. Yep. Guevara is obviously he's injured, injured. injured and things like that, but he's still making him look a bit. Well, he's still making Guevara's him look off. silly too. He's making both of them basically out of the three of them that moved yeah. up. He's yeah. making the other two look like incompetent. Yeah, like I should have been champion, really. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because yeah, in Moodle 3, it was the other way around where they were making him look ridiculous. Mm. It's like Guevara Khan is on three Grand Prix now. His best was like 21st. And that was in his debut at America. Really? Yikes. Yeah. He's, just, he, he, yeah. Oh, he didn't. He's not made a step since. He's done twenty first, twenty second, twenty second. How's Fodja done? Fodja is twenty first overall. Best result fourteenth. Yeah, he's fourteenth. And Le Mans. Oh man, okay. Which isn't horrendous. He's got points. No, no. You know, in Good. the points, but for, for incredible for the fact that Motor Two, you have twenty five riders within one second. Yeah, but he's short as well. He is so. 167 centimetres tall stands. That's like my height. Sergio Garcia, which is 5.4 and a half. And then 5.5 foot 4, sorry, mm. um, in English. And then Dennis Foggia, 
It's what my heart. I've stood beside him. Oh, yeah. oh, um, oh sorry, okay. let me just drop that in. Okay. <laughs> this budget is 164. Are we shorter so than five foot, Yeah, for, just under five foot four. I'm taller than them both. That's incredible. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me on the bike. Yeah, legit. What the freak? But like, and I thought that would play against them, but it really hasn't. I'm, I'm intrigued now. Now we're on it. I want to see how tall Lorenzo de la Porta is because I really expected more from him. He's 163, so he's the shortest of the lot. Yeah. But again, like he's still five foot three. Just, it seems to like, doesn't uh, for the like, most part it doesn't seem like, to work. If you're like Fodger is replaced de la Porta and is already outperforming him. Well, how tall is Isan Guevara for because Guevara um, was always the bigger one in Moto three out of yeah. the three of them, yeah, which worked well for it him. Is. God, that's Roy Skinner. Um, God, you can easily get those two confused. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, one hundred seventy three. Okay, oh yeah, like I can so, like, quite a bit taller, four inches taller. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, he's five foot, just under five foot seven. So he's like ten centimeters taller than. Yeah. Garcia. No, six centimeters taller than Garcia and ten more than Foggia. I don't know. But he's the right height. I think Guevara is the right height for Moto two. Yeah. Ugh. Who knows? It's I, a... I think it's just the injuries and things like that. Yeah. Still plaguing him. So. It's just he's not getting the confidence yet because of his injuries and Yeah, he yeah. hasn't been at his top on that bike. Like he didn't no. like twenty twenty two. Isan Guevara didn't ride the Moto2 bike. No. And he, when he did, he was completely unfit and just wasn't and ready at all. And... Yeah, and then he got injured as well. Yeah. I heard his arm oh, yeah. pump surgery wasn't like the usual. Sergio Garcia's got arm pump now as well. Bloody hell. Fabio Cotteraro might have arm pump too. Oh, and God. Raul Fernandez. Yeah, Raul Fernandez had his operation, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And who else? Um... Danny Holgado mentioned it in Hareth that he had some. Um, forearm feeling. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Interesting. What Very is strange. happening? Everyone's getting arm pump, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, some other shout outs before we move to it at three. To Barry Baltus in seventh. Mm. Big buzzer. I think he's got a podium in him this year. Yeah. Mm, that'd be nice. I really do. And then Lucas Tolovich, European Moto 2 champion in 11th place solid really good I think that's his best ever Moto2 result bear with um, that's Moto2 e. yeah that's his best ever Moto2 result because his best result was uh, a 13th in 2019 when he rode the KTM for the Kiefer Racing Squad well um, there we go and he was like 18 then he was like 18 at that point gosh little baby whippersnapper yeah, yeah. but um, yeah so Tolovich did really well um, I'll have to try and get him on the podcast actually he'd be a really good guest I think hmm. but yeah I'm rambling but yeah Moto3 Minyo obviously returned he's doing really well there is a rumour Ricard Cove put it Ricard Jove put it on Twitter recently that Felon was going to be replaced by Minyo that was after the first round alright and he said full time but now the fact Gavin Emmett said this on BT Sport now that Minyo's putting these good results in and like if he raced Mugello you could very easily put him for the win 
could they try and maybe opt to do that full time? But I wouldn't want to see Felon get pushed out of the seat because he's a very good rider and he's only one ride for the team. But I don't know. You know, it's a results-driven business and Minyo doing this well so fast. Well, I'd, I'd put him on. Yeah. But that's Would just you? me. You know, I'm mm, not the boss. It'd be, t- it'd be harsh, but yeah. yeah. Like, like you say, this is world championship racing now and you got to be... The best needs yeah, to see. Yeah, you know? exactly. If you've got someone, if you've got a replacement coming in that is delivering, um, I'd be, I'd be giving them a, a contract, I think. Yeah. Is this... I'll be honest. Is this not his last year or what would be his last year in the class or does he has I one more? I think he is 26. He's only... He's 27. Yeah, this would be his last year. Oh, shit. Maybe mm. 28. January next year. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I knew he was at the higher end of the Moto3 scale. Um, yeah, so I would. I would anything. too, to be fair. And I don't like that with obviously the fact that Phil on's out with injury at the minute. So after one race, you're not yeah. sure where he's at and what sort of performances he would be putting in. But the problem is that the replacement rider is clearly doing bits at the minute and consistent, somewhat consistently doing that. So I think if a choice had to be made, like Phil could come back and be out of the points every weekend. So mm. you've got to Whereas take a gamble. You know that- yeah, yeah, you know that Mignot can get you a podium. And you know. top 10, top 5, easy yeah. podium, yeah. you know, like... Which helps the sponsors, yeah. it helps the team fund the next year. Helps mm-hmm. him, because he's obviously yeah. out of the seat this year. So Yeah, exactly, like, and try and get Supersport in its seat for next year, a Moto2 seat maybe, or... Something. Something, yeah. Yeah, sign him up, yeah. let's go. Yeah, okay. Dennis Odshu, showing podium pace. Finally. With Yamanaka as well. Yamanaka... Showing that his little Haref speed wasn't a one-off. Good. Both of them are looking good. But again, Onshu is getting destroyed by Holgado. And this was my thing. I thought about this earlier in the gym. I was like, Onshu is doing not so well. Albert Arenas, I would say, is underperforming on the IO Motor 2 bike. I'm unfortunately having to eat my own words because I thought Arenas would come out and win races this year and do really well. And unfortunately, I'm eating my words, and we could potentially see Holgado leapfrog Onshu for that seat next to maybe Pedro Costa next year in Moto2 in the IO squad if Onshu can't pull out the results because Holgado is, I believe, still the championship leader. Yeah. Yep, by quite a lot of points now, 21 points. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. And Moto2 teams are going to come jumping at them. And if you're already in the KTM squad, which he is... That IO team opens up doors. The only thing that Anshu has against Holgado is experience in Moto3. Like, this is only Holgado, the start of Holgado's second year. And he's already leading the championship and he's won two races. only just turned 18. Like, age and experience is the only thing going for Anshu at the minute. If Anshu can convert them to race wins, he's still got the seat in the bag. But he needs to do that fast because Anshu's only 19. But Onshu needs to do that because he's also a bit too tall for Moto3, which plays against him. Yeah. Well, the, Onshu needs to be winning the yeah. championship this year ahead of Holgado to 
try and get a seat. Well, it happened with um, Jamie Messia and Pedro Acosta. Like, Messia was set yeah. for Moto 2 and then Acosta came out of bloody and was like, nowhere. Nope. Well, not out of nowhere, but like, Messia was meant to win that year. Like, everything was geared up to Messia winning that mm-hmm. year and moving up to Moto 2. And it all went pear shaped. So, I suppose, yeah, in that sense, if Fulgado keeps going the way he's going, of course they're going to move him up. And that'd be quite the team Pedro Acosta and Danny Fulgado. Yeah, that'd be unbelievable. The Spanish Armada. That would be a <laughs> replicate of Remy Gardner and um, Raul Fernandez, Fernandez, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a nice squad. KTM must be pissed then, off now every year that that doesn't happen because they know they oh, can yeah. one too every round. Yeah, because it's happened. Yeah, they've got. Yeah, they've got it. Like, and they had a lot of one twos last year with Fernandez and Costa as yeah. well, and. It's just, Arenas is just not cutting the mustard. It was a surprise move for me, in fairness. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know why like, they did it, but... Because he showed a lot of progress, though. He showed a lot of progress last year on the gas gas and was getting, like... I don't think he got a podium, but he was getting, like, front row starts and stuff and edging for that podium, and he's just not done it. And I'm I'm sad for him, to be honest. I really thought he could do a lot better, you know? He is unfortunately going the same way of Moto3 champion not being able to deliver cut it yeah Yeah. in Moto2 and this is his third year now too he's in the same boat as Tony Arbolino and I suppose when you compare them that way and Iagur for that matter Mm. which is interesting out of the three that moved up that year yeah it's and he moved up as as a champion it was those three fighting for the championship yeah it, and it, two of three yeah. of one races. Well, Agura was rookie of the year out of them when they moved mm. up, and now, and then fighting for the championship last year, and now you've got Tony who's obviously he's injured now, outperforming yeah. them all now. So that's interesting. Yeah, and that's it. And Akiyo is savage with it. KTM is savage with it. We know that yes, if there's a chance to put Algado, the world champion, on their bike next year, sorry, Ranas, like be gone, mate, like. It's no questions asked, really, unless Pedro Costa steps up to MotoGP and they give a run as a second year, but... I mean, if Pedro moves up, my suggestion would be Onchu and Volgado. Yeah, yeah, because I think Onchu is another one of those riders who could do well on a Moto2 and not as well on a Moto3. I think... Like, he's doing it very well on a Moto3, yeah. but he could do better on a I Moto2. I think yeah. it would be... A, it's not working in Moto3, but... Yeah, there is a very high possibility that Moto Two would actually suit him a lot better, and you actually would see the yeah. results and the race wins. He's tall. He's got the limbs for it. Yeah. You know, definitely. Yeah, Omar Sasaki got his first podium of the year as well. Finally, again, he is helped by the fact that he's on the Husky now, because he can step straight into Moto Two within his own team, because that's an intact Husky he's on, uh, and yep. he could replace Darren Binder on the intact Husky next year. So he's very much primed as well. And the first podium, I think he'll have a few more in him this year. Oh, for sure. He's been very unlucky, to be honest. Did he get knocked off at Argentina? He definitely crashed out of Argentina, America. Yeah. I think someone knocked him off in Argentina. Yeah, I can't remember. Swear. I could be wrong. Did he not crash on his own? Both I times? I could be wrong. I think I think he did crash on his own both times. Think about it. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. Um, but, yes, yeah, good, good start. Yeah, it's been a while. Kind of build on that. Yeah, if you can keep building. It's been, it's hilarious actually. 
Because that Spanish Armada I keep mentioning, apart from Jeremy Messia, is the top five in the championship right now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, there's too much talent. And I, even Al Tolo, I think, will step up to Moto 2 next year because he's massive. He's way too tall for Moto 3. What number is he? Um, he's second in the championship 48. now. That's yeah. mad. I never would have thought that Legend. at the start of the season. Oh, no. A, he is. Five foot nine. Right. Okay. That's really tall for, for a, a bike rider. rider yeah. And he's 18. So he's still got three more years of growing on oh him. Clothes. So getting him on a motor two. He was massive. He'd I be like he was Luca like, Marini because he's like 5'10". Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember when Ortola was in the European Talent Cup. It was a David Alonso. And he was just limbs everywhere. Those European <laughs> Talent Cups are tiny. And it was hilarious to watch because he was humongous on that thing. Huge. Um, I almost typed Eurovision. Uh, European. <laughs> oh yeah, let's talk about Eurovision. <laughs> I watched my first ever Eurovision at the weekend. I haven't watched right, it. You know. but I know who won. No. Farce. Yeah, it's all right, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find pictures of Otola for some <laughs> when when he looked massive on the thing, but I can't find Good any. Good lord. Uh, there you go. Wait, no, that's this is him as a baby. With hilariously Diego Moreira right behind him, but even then he looks massive. He's about about twelve here. I can't wait to see this. Oh yeah, for all the listeners at home, he He's looks tall. massive on that little it's, bike. It's, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with still Diego looking Marrera. at Petrucci's bloody motorhome. Never mind oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, but yeah, um, Otola, superb so far. Jamie Messia, finally. Yeah, he's only twenty-two. He can still get Moto Two. See, there's still time. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see Messia because, like everybody, like we said, when he moved, he was on that Leopard in 2020. Did really well, but then got ousted for Javier Artigas, which was the right decision at the time because Artigas was the next hot thing. He had already won a no, stood on the Moto Three podium as a wild card. And then Messia just got destroyed in 2021. Could not then do the business last year but he seems to have found his home again in Leopard mm. I'm glad because of the cheat codes obviously as we know yeah um, but yeah third in the championship now tied with Ortola for second and yeah he looks really good yeah yeah right should and, we move oh, well, I was just saying, considering the next no, Honda was uh, Kaito Toba in 12th yeah um, yeah it's very very solid yeah. and his teammate started oh yeah where the pretty f- much Suzuki last Suzuki was 13th well that's actually quite a good recovery he was definitely on the last row of the grid because of the silly timings that happened in Q1 uh, and Q2 for Moto3 mm. so mm. crazy isn't it yeah it's crazy um, yeah yeah but um, <laughs> right should we move on to predictions are we boring yeah. exactly no <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine. Oh, it's fine. Um, it's fine, Lauren. It's fine. Oh, fine. Yeah, it's fine. What? Right. Do our predictions then, shall we? Go yeah. Bed. Sorry, yeah. what were you on about? I wasn't listening to you. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. Anyway. I well just speak to the wall in my bedroom at this point. What were you actually talking about? I'm not repeating myself. I'm Nothing, so at this point. Nothing. No? Nearly two hours. Nothing important. It's 11 o'clock at night. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, it is 11 p.m., um, folks, just for a bit more context. Yeah. It's late. <laughs> right. Go. Cool. Right. Predictions. Um, so, I'm not going to give you the 
rundown of how they're doing. I'll just score them as we go and I can tell you how you got your points. Fab. So going into the predictions, Cameron this weekend, Cameron leads with 64 points. Ooh, Myself ooh. in second with 60. Lauren in third with 29. I hate it this week. This week sucked. So Every week Sasaki sucks. got... Yeah, I know. Um... Yeah, Lauren is way back, as always. Um, so Saki was pole man in Moto3. I went for Moreira, Lauren Holgado, and Cameron with Sasaki. So you get a point. Thank you. The Moto3 podium was Holgado, Sasaki, Masia. I went for Otola, Roreda, Onchu. So I scored zero. Cameron went for Sasaki, Masia, Holgado, which is the three correct riders in the wrong order so he gets 15 points hello I mean he scores 16 points in total for Moto3 <laughs> and Lauren went for Masia Holgado or Tola so you get two points uh, are you, so, that's a joke he gets <laughs> oh, 15 wow, points and I get two it's the patriarchy I got fucking Deal zero with it. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> Um, so leading, leaving Moto3, Cameron leads with 80 points. I'm second with 60, and Laura with 31 and third. Moto2, I went for, well, Lowe's went for pole, take pole. I went for Canet, and Cameron and Lauren went for on Acosta. Went for Acosta. On Acosta. Um, zero points. The race was Abolino, Salach, and Lopez. I went for Acosta, Canet, Lowe's, zero points. The running theme. Um... Cameron went for Acosta, Lopez, and Lowe's. Cameron gets a point. Oh. And Lauren went for Acosta, Dixon, and Chantra. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so it stays. I know Cameron now has 81. I'll take it. And then I'm staying with 60 and Lauren with 31. Um, then for MotoGP, Bagnaya took pole. I went for Martin, zero points. Cameron went for Bagnaya. He gets a point. And Lauren for Martin, zero points. In the sprint race, it was Martin that won. I went for Zarco, Cameron Bainaya, Lauren Bacucci. Zero points for everybody. In the race, it went Bazzetti, Martin, Zarco. I went for Bainaya, Miller, Vignales, who all fucking crashed. Oh. So I scored zero points completely in all classes. This weekend, <laughs> I don't know. If you, have you ever scored zero? I don't, I don't, I don't, think, I don't so. think you have. That's made my weekend a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cameron went for Zarco, then Miller, then Bacucci, so you get a point. Oh. Thanks to Marquez crashing out. Um, and Lauren went for Zarco, Cotoro, Miller. So Zor Lauren gets a point. So the points tallies leaving Le Mans is Cameron with 83 in first. I remain with 60 in second, and Lauren with 32. Oof. Yeah. I'm going to start um... calling you guys Top Rack and Johnny Rea because you're fighting for second. <laughs> Here that works. I am Johnny Rea. We're from the same place. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't mind being Top Rack. You know, he's cool. I like top right. Yeah, I've got six fucking world championships in my name. Fuck you. I got one, so it's fine. And like, I get paid like a million quid <laughs> a week from Red Bull, so it's fine. So <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, but yeah, okay. I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah, Actually, please, you God. Just no, that's that's that'll do. I, I quite fancy yeah. going We're beating the dead do, horse at this that'll point. That'll do. That'll do, donkey. Yeah. yeah. That'll do. Nice. Um, but yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this, this podcast. Uh, we've enjoyed recording it as always. Um, I hope you have a good week and we'll be back next time. Um, oh my God. With, I don't even know what. <laughs> we have got a guest coming on soon. So I don't know. Oh, cool. It's what? late. I'm delirious. That'll be amazing. Hope you have a good week. We've got a guest coming on soon, so that's great. Uh, is he actually coming on or? 
Yeah, his manager says yeah. So oh. his manager said yeah before, and here we are. True. I'll, I'll I'll harass his manager tomorrow and get him on. Okay. <gasps> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Speak to you next time. Bye.